Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I-Shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Hi, my name is Dr. Chanel Otley Allen, host of Caribbean Bird Stories. This is the first and only podcast that focuses on Caribbean women from all walks of life, narrating their journey of giving birth, navigating self-care postpartum, and parenting across the beautiful islands of the Caribbean and the diaspora. Caribbean Bird Stories has been and continues to provide a space for honest, non-judgmental conversations. Welcome to season three. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Caribbean Boot Stories. Today's a special one. I feel like I say that a number of times, but the fact is all my guests are extraordinary individuals. I have with me today my dear friend, Amoy Jacques. Amoy and I have been friends for the better part of two decades, and I'm truly honored and humbled that she has decided to share her story with us. We belong to a sisterhood that spans undergrad, weddings, babies, death, infertility, and an abundance of love and laughter. I cherish her as a friend. Amoy is a registered kinesiologist who has a sincere passion to improve the health, wellness, and policies that support and protect women during their reproductive years. She is the founder slash CEO of Womb Care, a reproductive health and wellness agency seeking to conduct research with health agencies across Canada and create equitable programs and policies for women, particularly those from marginalized communities. Let's have a listen. Hi, Amoy. How are you? Hi, Chanel. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, great. So this is a first time and I'm actually really excited about it because I know I wanted to do this, but I needed to do it with someone that I could have fun with and someone that understands me and, you know, allow everything to just flow. So, (laughs) so I needed to interview you. So basically I know you're pregnant. You're actually what? 36 weeks pregnant now at at the time of this recording. And I have never asked anyone at least on recorded if, um, when they were pregnant about their feelings towards pregnancy and the upcoming journey of motherhood. So this is my first opportunity to do this and I'm really excited. So it's going to be kind of like a rapid fire question and answer as well as just a little bit more information from you about your feelings about this whole experience at hand. So first things first, tell me a little bit about yourself, Amoy. Like, you know, how old are you? (laughs) (laughs) so first of all I'm very happy to be here Chanel and I have been friends for over 20 years we met at McMaster University and yes very excited to be here and love the Caribbean birth story series my name is Amoy Jacques I am 39 years old and 36 weeks pregnant yes well that's really exciting and yes definitely I am going to put in the show notes um how people can get in touch with you um womb care clinic 
your Instagram. So you're going to give me all your handles and we'll just keep that in the show notes so that people can awesome. access it. Okay. And you are actually in Canada. We forgot to mention Yes. That. Yes. I, so we, my husband and I, we live in Canada. We are in London, Ontario, which is about two hours from Toronto. We just moved here. So moving while pregnant I do not recommend it but thank you Lord it's all over the house is ready we haven't lost our heads and the nursery is ready (laughs) most importantly most important most important yes (laughs) okay now I this is Caribbean boot stories so some might be thinking okay she's from Canada and you know what am I doing this is just a friend thing. No, yes. because I'm more you were actually born in Jamaica, correct? Yes. Yes. So I was born and raised in Jamaica. Um, I moved to Canada when I was 14 years old. So I still do remember living in Jamaica. And, yes. And you still break out into your patois. <laughs> I do still break out into a little patois every now and then. And yeah, so it's been an interesting journey for me, like living in Jamaica and having that cultural experience of, um, being in a country that I can call my own and now moving to Canada, which I've lived for the majority of my life, but still holding my Jamaican roots very, very close. I'm a very proud Jamaican woman. And yes, love my family, love my culture, love everything about the culture. Okay, great. So in one word, can you describe your pregnancy to date? One word. Wow. (laughs) I would say it's a miracle. You know, and I know we're going to get into why I would use that word, but it really has been an interesting and long winding journey. But it simply is a miracle because I I would say if you asked me this question in 2020, I would have given up like I had just reserved, resolved to the fact that, you know what, I'm probably not going to get pregnant. It's not for me. I'm just going to focus on myself and just let it be. So it really is a miracle. Yeah, it is. And it, I mean, it's a perfect segue into your road and your journey towards pregnancy. So, you know, just give us an idea of all the different steps yeah. um, and milestones uh, to this miracle. Yeah. So, you know, you know this journey very well. I know, I know you've had some um, guests that have talked about some of these um, common reproductive health issues that women have, specifically Black women across the diaspora. But for myself, so I got married in March 2011 in Laguna Beach, California, head in the clouds, you know, had a great wedding. Um, and my husband and I had decided, okay, year one, we're just going to do us. We're going to do the vacation and enjoy ourselves. But year two, let's just hit the ground running and start our family. And so from that point, no one had told me how difficult it can be to conceive. Keep in mind that, you know, there are family members that I have that had difficulty to conceive, but it never crossed my mind that that would be my journey. I just thought that's their journey. We're going to have our own. It's going to be beautiful. Year two, we're going to start, you know, trying. And and so like every couple that gets married, we started trying and nothing. And so, you know, initially I thought, okay, it's going to take some time. Like the body doesn't know that I've never been pregnant before. Yeah. And it became a 10-year journey. And so along that journey, there's been a lot of highs, a lot of lows, um, a lot of tears, and just really reprocessing who I am um, as a woman um, and, you know, reclaiming my identity. Because a lot of the times we 
as women take on these roles that society places on us, that you need to be married, you need to have children at a certain time, um, you need to have not just one, you need to have two. Why you just have one, like a picnic, they beat up brother or sister, you know, how we, how we talk, right? And so all of those things I felt were stripped away from me. So it has been a re-identity for me during this whole journey. So from a medical standpoint, uh, I was diagnosed with uterine fibroids at the age of 22. And at the time of diagnosis, I wasn't told, given enough information for my doctor to say that this could impact fertility. So again, that didn't enter my mind that that would be an issue. And it wasn't until we were trying, you know, really consistently in the early years of our marriage. And after doing my own research that I realized that this can definitely pose an issue when it comes to implantation, when it comes to miscarriages and that it's really prevalent among Black women for a host of risk factors, right? And so, you know, that was one challenge to deal with. Keep in mind that, you know, women that have uterine fibroids can get pregnant as well. So that's not the only reason. Uh, there are other factors like egg quality, sperm count, and all those things, and also the integrity of the uterus. So that was one aspect. The other aspect was... Um, Throughout the journey, I was also diagnosed with endometriosis. And I just thought, God, I don't know what you're doing, but to have now two strikes against me, right? Why would this be happening? And the challenge with endometriosis, as we all know, is that it's not just contained within the uterus. It can grow anywhere. It's really a whole body disease. And the, the, the increased challenge with endometriosis is that it can also impact egg quality, which is another conundrum, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the other challenges that I had um, as we were trying. So, you know, we went through the process of doing um, intrauterine insemination, which is IUIs. Those were not successful. Um, and each time I'm going through this, you know, there's the emotional and financial turmoil, there's the the stripping of who I who I feel to be like this 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 level of inadequacy that's just being stripped away from me and I thought you know I can't keep going through this like at some point I have to decide or just be comfortable with the fact that this may not happen I may not be able to have a child naturally or through assisted reproductive therapy and you know it got to the point where I just said you know what I just need to take a break you know, we, we ended up having uh, one IVF that did not go well. And after that, I just said, you know what, I need a break. I don't know if this is the right journey for me, um, but I know I can't go through another emotional turmoil like this again. And during that time, you know, I, I had lots of conversations with my mom, who has been my, my rock throughout this, as well as my husband, who has been a rock throughout all of this. And I just started to reframe and say, you know, if I cannot be a mother in this way, there are other ways to mother. And I think that's another awakening that I had that, you know, if I can't mother by becoming pregnant naturally or through ART, then I can always adopt. And so we started looking into, you know, adoption and what that would mean and, you know, what, what the attachment would look like. And, and this was all happening around the time of the pandemic. So the pandemic kind of gave me was a hidden blessing in the sense that it gave me time to just kind of breathe. And, you know, everyone was on pause. It's not just me. Cause I, I felt like for the first 10 years of my life, when it came to this aspect of family planning, my life was just on pause. Like everyone is progressing, having their family, you know, doing their thing. And here I am just kind of stuck and on pause. So when the pandemic came, it, 
it gave me just a moment to just breathe and really just focus on myself. And I would say it was a blessing because I needed that self-care time. I really needed to reevaluate Amoy. You are still a highly accomplished woman. Um, you can still mother in, in many different ways. You, you actually mother in a lot of different ways, but with the company that you, ha- that you started with Wound Care Clinic and the research that I've designed around um, just understanding the experience that Black people have around endometriosis and uterine fibroids, in that way, I'm mothering the community. And, you know, that took a while. Like, I, I had to go through therapy, which I know that's something that, you know, is emerging within our communities where more and more people are feeling comfortable, but I really needed to reframe and restructure my mind around what does mothering look like for Amoy? And if it doesn't look like the traditional way, can I still have access to motherhood in other ways through my work, through my creativity, through other avenues? And so. So I want to make, I want to stop you right there because I think what you're saying is so important. And, and I think, and I want us to sit in it for a little bit, just because sure. so many women don't know how to process things the way ha- that you have, or you processed that experience of reframing what mothering means to you mm-hmm. and what mothering looks like for you. So were there any, and you talk about therapy, but were there any specific tasks um, treatment options that provided you with the necessary tools to allow you to reframe and to, to bring you to that new awakening? Were there anything, any specific things that you did or mm-hmm. tool to you that helped with the reframing? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when you go through any major disappointment that creates a shift with your identity, it does require a lot of self-reflection. And I do spend a lot of time self-reflecting. And I think that's been one of my saving graces. So I would say self-reflection has been one of those tools where it just helps me to unearth, okay, what are some ways that I'm, first of all, what, what is a mother? Like, what is the definition of a mother? You know, what, what are the characteristics? Someone that cares for, you know, someone unconditionally, there's no strings attached you know, um, and I do that in so many different ways. Like I've been involved in women's ministry at my church for over 10 years. That's one way I'm mothering, right? I don't have to do it. It's, it's volunteer time. Also in just taking care of my family, I'm very big on, you know, making sure that, you know, people feel comfortable when they're around me and being present. So that's another way that I, you know, mother in a way. Mm-hmm. And also just looking at the way my mother mothered me, um, it was another way for me to reframe things. Um, my mom got sick, as you know, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then I had to mother her mm-hmm. during the time that she was sick. And, you know, when I was going through that period, I'm just like, I'm actually learning how to mother, you know, in a different way, even though it was very challenging. Um, and also, you know, um, I have several God kids. One of them lives very close to me and, you know, each time I meet with him, I try to be as present as I can. So that was another way to kind of mother without feeling bitter, because I do understand that during this process of infertility, there's a lot of grief. And that's something that I know we don't talk about. There's not enough space for us to talk about the grieving. And, you know, maybe we can talk about that later. But I had my grieving moment. But, you know, being with my godson was a way and is a way for me to just mother him in a way that 
I don't have access to um, with other kids that I'm around. And so I, I want to be present for those moments. So I just had to make a decision that, you know, in the examples that I just gave you, I'm just going to be as present as I can. So I don't miss out on the mothering that I'm doing in the community, yes. right? Because it doesn't look like the traditional sense. And sometimes we take that for granted. Mm-hmm. So that that's something that just kind of helped me. And, you know, in therapy, I remember my therapist saying, one day, like when I went through like all the different things I'm doing, she's like, but you are a mother. And I'm like, Where, what is this woman talking about? I'm just like, I just don't tell you something. I'm no picnic. And you're coming to tell me, say, I'm a mother. I'm like, have you been listening? Like, we've been talking for a half an hour now. <laughs> and she's like, no, you're a mother. You're a mother to the community. And I really had to let that sink in, Chanel, into my soul and really own it. Right. And I think that process helped with the reframing and the re-identifying that I am mothering in different yes. ways and it's okay. And, it's and I don't, and it's okay. And I don't have to be grievous or resentful anymore because I'm, I'm feeling that need, right? Cause this is an innate need. This is a desire that, you know, for women that do want to have children, right. this is a desire that's not going to go away. Yeah. Right. So how are you going to fill that need? Mm-hmm. That, that's just wonderful. And and I really want, I know you were on a roll with the rest of your story, but I needed you to stop there because I feel like talk is great. Sharing is great, but having the tools to put things into action is important. So yeah. self-reflection, journaling, you know, just spending that alone time. And I would agree with you, this period of pandemic, especially when most places were under lockdown, yeah. allowed many of us to sit and just think and sit and figure certain things out but as we start reopening and closing and reopening and closing (laughs) you know we um we get we probably get caught back into that cycle of just go 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 exactly but it's so important that you have to make the time to sit and figure out okay what does this mean for me how can I move forward and if it is I'm not able to become a mother what does that look like what does that mean what, are there things I can do am I already doing certain yeah. things and, and who am I now if, if I'm not if I don't have those things if I don't have you know a baby at the breast who am I does that make me lesser than does that make me more than who am right. I trying to please because at the end of the day we have to wrestle with ourselves right mm-hmm. like I know we talk a lot about societal pressure but we really have to get to the point where we can reconcile with ourselves and we're fine because that's all that matters in terms of or who who we who we are in this world right and so that was very important to me because i went through many many moments feeling depressed and feeling inadequate even though i was doing all these things like it wasn't bringing me that joy and i'm like then why am i giving all of my time in these areas then right yeah. and so it really like the pandemic forced me to yeah reevaluate who I am my 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 identity as a moi outside of for for infertility all the different things that are attached to me like just me as an individual yeah yeah thank you so all right so let's get back so you left off well I interrupted you when (laughs) you were speaking about reframing but take us to 2020 then or 2019 so yeah so 2020 came and I felt like I had you know, enough rest and, and, you know, the, the whole re-identity happened. And I felt like I had enough energy to kind of look at things in a different way and, and perhaps try again. 
right? So try this whole process again, because at the end of the day, I wanted to, I, I desire, and I still have that desire to be a mother um, where, you know, I want to have a child. So <clears throat> I said, you know what, we will try one more time um, through, you know, fertility treatment. And if it doesn't work, I just kind of left things open. And I, you know, I, I had that talk with the Lord. I'm like, I'm just going to leave it open. If it doesn't happen, then we'll just adopt. And that's fine. Right. I really wanted to do the heart work. So H-E-A-R-T work with that, because I think for a lot of couples that go through infertility, you know, the, the adoption is just like oh, default or last resort. And I didn't want to feel like that. Right. I didn't want to place that kind of negative energy into the process or into, you know, if we had to adopt, you know, the child would be feeling, you know, resentful that, you know, they didn't come from my womb and all that stuff. So I just kind of laid everything open. And so we tried again and I was in a better headspace and just said, you know what, we'll just, just let it be. <laughs> and um, so in the fall of 2020 is when we tried again. And in November, I'll never forget my husband and I were sitting in the car. And usually when we get these calls, I'm at work, you know, when they, they you know, you go through the, the, the treatment process and then they give you a call to see what your pregnancy test is. And, you know, I was, I just said, Lord, I just don't want any bad news while I'm at work. Just please allow this to be, if, if it's going to happen, allow it to be good news. And I remember my husband said, you know, let's just have lunch. Let's just be together. Even if you have to go back to work and it's not favorable news, at least we were together for right. that news. Yes. And so we, I remember we were having Subway in the car and we're waiting for the call and the phone rings and the nurse is just like, well, congratulations, you're pregnant. And in that split moment, Chanel, it's like time just flipped. So we right. went from all these years, 10 years of like trying, trying, trying and all the trials that I, you know, explain to, oh, now you're pregnant now. Okay. What, what's going to happen? Like ultrasound and blood, more blood tests. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So it was just like in a split second, you know, yeah, life can change so quickly and it, it took me a while to even process that. I'm just like, oh, oh, this is what we've been waiting for, like this whole shift. And, you know, I have to say that I've just been taking in all the different moments of just kind of feeling the this, this miracle that has happened, because this is only God. This is only, only God to allow this to be successful. And yes. yeah, it was just one of those monumental moments where I'm like, wow, okay, this is, this is it. Mm -hmm. That, you know, I just get goosebumps think, <laughs> thinking about you and Patrick sitting in the car waiting and hearing yes. that. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. Talk to me now about you're pregnant and you're, yes. 30, you're very pregnant, 36. Very pregnant. Yeah. Very pregnant. What has surprised you the most about pregnancy? So I think what has surprised me the most is how much my body can endure. Mm. <laughs> because as I mentioned, I, I had fibroids. I had actually 38 fibroids. So I've experienced, you know, my uterus being under so much pressure. And there was a moment when, you know, in my first trimester, when I was just like, Lord, I just, I'm just praying for the integrity of my uterus because it's just been under so much duress. Yeah. And yes. um, I just want to be able to make it to, to term, you know what I mean? And so what has surprised me the most is the fact that I haven't had any major complications considering what my body has gone through. Right. 
And it's given me a whole new appreciation for, you know, women that have these issues. Like we're warriors, like our bodies can go through the most tumultuous things and still produce beautiful things. And I just had to sit in that. Like every time I'd make a milestone, like, you know, I have the what to expect app and every week, you know, my husband and I will watch our video and those milestones were just, I'm just like, Oh, we've made it to another week. This is, this is great. This is great. You know? And I think that's been the most um, exciting that my body has been able to carry this without any major issues. And I'm just so grateful to God for that. Yes. And what keeps you up at night though? So I know, well, first of all, I know you're not sleeping properly because you've been sending me messages at 2 p.m. And I'm like, Amoy, what are you doing? I know because this kid is like the kid's up so I'm just like okay I guess I'm up too um I think what's keeping me up mostly is just what kind of mother am I gonna be you know like because I had a great template with with my own mom and she's just so patient so kind and I'm like I know I have a short fuse so especially when I don't get sleep so I'm just like Lord I'm just praying that I don't become a dragon when this child is screaming in the morning so that's one of the things um I think another thing that keeps me up which is a little bit more sad um you know unfortunately we lost my mom this year 2020 April 2021 which was not a part of the plan and um you know still going through that process of just trying to understand the timing of things and why she isn't here for this. You know, we talked about this, we've prayed about this and she's not able to see the end product of it. And I think one of the other things that keeps me up is the fact that my son or son won't be able to meet her on this earth. And that is hard. That is hard. Like, even though I, you know, I have pictures of her around and I, you know, Pat, my husband and I are very intentional about sharing her legacy with her child, just not having her here is something that I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to navigate that space. Yeah. To be quite honest. Yeah. And would you say like, that's like the biggest disappointment? I think that's the biggest disappointment for sure. For sure. Because like I said, this is something that my mom was beside herself. Like when she found out I was pregnant, she was beside herself with joy, beside herself. And, you know, she was going through her own journey with chemo and, just was very intentional in terms of, you know, planning out my baby shower. Um, She made, she was very intentional about making me like blankets. So she made baby blankets, baby booties. Um, In December of last year, she made me a beautiful crocheted blanket. So I have all of these things because she really wanted to, you know, one, show her appreciation for me taking care of her during this time. And um looking forward to you know her first grandchild and so the disappointment is it's still raw and yeah I just I just have to find ways to to celebrate her and to bring my son or bring our son into that experience I mean you I told you I've told you this a couple of times you are certainly my hero I don't know where you get your strength from um because it, I know how incredibly hard that that experience has been um, for you. And, um, you know, I just pray for you daily just because I know you have to have the strength yeah. um, to go on. But so if we're just switching emotions a little. Yeah. 
when you think about going into labor, oh boy. <laughs> Let me hear, because the good thing about this two-part episode is that we're going to talk now and then I'm going to interview you probably like many babies. We'll have months. the bacchanal after yeah. the babies, but... <laughs> and we will see. Like, I just cannot wait to see what the difference is, right? But what is your birth plan? So let's talk about that. What is let's your talk about the birth plan? Yeah. Tell me your birth plan. Okay. So I think again, to preface my answer, yeah. because I've known, because I've experienced, you know, having um a bulky uterus for all these years and fibroids. I always knew that my journey to, you know, the labor and delivery would not be the same as everybody else. Right. So somewhere along the journey, I knew that, you know, I may need to have a C-section and I've just let go of this whole notion that if I don't have a vaginal birth, I'm still as capable as any other woman. You know, I think we have these stories around, oh, it's got to be vaginal. And if it's, you know, if I don't have that experience, that it's not the right experience. It's just like, no, this is the safest experience for me. Because exactly. I've my, my uterus has been compromised. Okay. Right. So in terms of my birth plan, I'm having a C-section. Um, and interest, it's just interesting how God prepares you for things. Because when I had my surgery for fibroids, um, it was a C-section cut. So it was a transverse cut. And, you know, I kind of experienced some of the, the healing, you know, that would occur with a C-section right. cut. Yes, yes. And I'm just like, Lord, why are you even taking me through this? Like I had to get a sits bath. I'm just like, may I have no picnic? I may have to do sits bath. What is going on? Mm-hmm. So anyways, um, now that I'm in this phase of, I know I need to have a C-section. Mm-hmm. I have my sits bath already. I'm like, well, I'm prepared for that. Ready. <laughs> um, and you know what it's going to feel like somewhat. I know what it's, it's going to feel like somewhat. I mean, with the, I, I don't want to make the comparison that, you know, with laparoscopic surgery, the cut is the same. The C-section, it's a lot deeper. So I just want to make that distinction. But um, at least I understand now, you know, that six-week process is going to be a little bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. I think for, for me, I in terms of my birth plan, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that, you know, having a C-section, it's the safest for me, right? Right. Um, I think what, what scares me to be quite honest is if I were to go into labor, like how would my uterus handle that? Right. You know, the reality is still that, you know, my uterus has been compromised. And so I just don't want to get into that situation where, you know, having to push and all this stuff. And, um, so, I mean, so if it is, you were to go, have you spoken to your OB about that? If yeah. To- yeah. So if I were to go into labor, then I would have like an emergency section, but just going okay. through the, the physical like pains of my uterus under more yeah contraction and under more pressure. I'm just like, Lord Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll just have to go through it. Right. Yes. I'll just have yes. to go through it. Yes. But yeah, I, I would rather avoid all of that just based on my own experience. Okay. And okay, final thing. So when so when you bring the baby home and all of those things, God's willing. Yes. Um what do you think is gonna be the most difficult adjustment for you? I think the sleep. Chanel, you know I love my sleep. Like I slept so much during the university. Why? I had my little naps. You know, I had my naps Just every day. Amoy, <laughs> out there, a boy would sleep between classes. Like, literally, go in her bed, take off her shoe, take off her 
clothes or whatever, <laughs> lie down in her bed because she couldn't lie down in her bed in her street clothes <laughs> and sleep. Yes. Before the next class. Exactly. Normal, was- normal. And yes. then go sleep the night as well. Of course. Of course. So, yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. knew sleep would be what sleep you would is- sleep is at the top at the top so I think that is going to be the hardest for me Mm -hmm. even though I'm having broken sleep now and I'm I'm fairly coherent and you know able to have conversation which is great yes but you know having a crying baby and knowing that I have to get up and I think that's going to be the hardest thing to be quite honest Mm -hmm. um you know some of the things I'm looking forward to is like who's he going to look like yes um, you know, is he going to have my husband's personality, which I am praying for Lord Jesus, because my husband has a very beautiful temperament, yes. patient, you kind. Too. I do too. I can be a little fiery. I just don't want him to be fiery in the first six months. I just need, <laughs> I just need calm. I just need yes. calm. So that's why the house is all calm. Like, mm. so, so we'll see, he's going to have his own personality and we're going to embrace him no matter what, but it will just be interesting to see you know, his, his little character, you know, right. once, once he comes on the scene. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And if there's one piece of advice I would give to you is um, just be open, you know, be open to the fact that things may not go the way that you envision it and the way you planned it, because, you know, we're planners. Yeah. Um, I know for me, I had to, I had to accept a lot of things as different to what I had envisioned, you know, Mm -hmm. and in the beginning, it made the adjustments a little bit more challenging for me. So I say to you, just be open to everything being the complete opposite of what you imagine, you know, and once you're open to that, then if it does, then you're like, okay, fine, I'll move with the tide. But if you're just really strict and rigid about um, I want him to sleep at this time. And if he doesn't sleep at this time, you know, you're going to probably be up for a long time. You know? <laughs> they do what they want to do. They do what they um, want. They do what they want. But he might also be the best sleeper. So, um, but just being open. I think that takes a lot of the stress yes. off of you. And, you know, and the whole perfectionism and yes girl everything and you know i've I've been letting go of that i've gotten a lot better with that yeah so like i have yes 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 i know that's gonna be that's gonna be one of the things because he's also you know he's also got his perfectionist tendencies but he's good he's more flexible than i am right so we'll we'll see how that all goes because I feel like sometimes we think because we're the mother and we've, you know, produced the child. Yes. <laughs> um, we, you know, we are an authority on parenting. Yes. Right. So, you know, I know for me, I have my little challenges because I think things should go, be done a particular way. Yeah. And if yeah. my husband doesn't do it in a particular way, I'm like, mm, how are you going to brush his teeth outside the bathroom you know? <laughs> like, that's why we have a bathroom and a sink. A bathroom. correct so you know but just like marriage you know choose your battles um but allow him to be a father that's what i would say allow him to be a father allow him to make his own mistakes because 
he, just like you, it's the first time. So, you know, he's going to think one way might be the way, but it may not be, but let him figure it out. And we don't necessarily need to point that out. Yeah, you know. that's solid. That is solid that we're both yeah. new to this, right? Like I'm I'm not an expert, even though I'm going through the physical changes. Right. But I think that's solid advice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. And I um cannot wait for <laughs> part two. And I do pray daily for you and baby Jacques. Thank and you. I, you know, only wish you positive, positive, positive vibes and a safe delivery. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So, any last words? Any parting words? Yeah. Um, parting words. Just not to give up hope that, you know, mothering happens in so many different ways and that you'll find your way and that your journey is unique, but it's it's just as important as the conventional way. Yeah. Perfect. So thank you, Amoy. <laughs> and welcome. we'll see you in episode. Well, same episode, part two. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Bye. Bye. Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to the theamaishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd be grateful if you could leave a review about what you're loving on this podcast and be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. 